On this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by First Fidelity Bank, we jump right into local college football by giving you an update on what's going on at OU after the West Virginia game was postponed this weekend. We also recap the shootout between Oklahoma State and Texas Tech. In the National College Football Roundup, we recap some of the marquee games of the weekend, including Iowa State, Texas, and the Iron Bowl, and we bring you the latest college football news. We give you our winners and losers of the weekend and wet the beak with Tuesday night football between the Ravens and Steelers. To finish up, Thunder training camp starts Tuesday, so we talk some basketball. Yeah, a little FGTB in keeping it local. Please download and subscribe to the podcast, rate it five stars, and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those, and you'll find us. All right? Our man Michael Hosty will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's a beautiful Monday, November 30th, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by First Fidelity Bank. First Fidelity Bank is a full-service financial institution based in Oklahoma with tailored solutions for all your personal and business needs, checking accounts, saving accounts, home loans, and much more. They do it all, whether it's online banking from your computer or mobile banking from your phone. Everything is stress-free with FFB. Making mobile deposits, paying bills online, and moving money to different accounts could not be easier. First Fidelity Bank provides free ATMs worldwide, making banking convenient wherever you are. They also give back to the community. First Fidelity Bank donates a total of more than $500,000 to local charities and educational foundations. Make your life easier and go bank at First Fidelity Bank. Visit ffb.com for more information. Now, we're recording this on Sunday night. And Ted, it, it it sucks that the OU West Virginia game got postponed, but having this weekend off was so awesome. It was so fantastic. I well, I wasn't sure the whole time whether to be upset, happy, um, feel like this time off was good, or would I rather just to go ahead, knock it out, get it over with, going to West Virginia. Uh, But after having what was kind of like a four-day break, I got to tell you, batteries feel recharged and ready to finish off this season pretty good. So I wasn't sure at first, but in the end, I loved it. When was the last time you got to enjoy a full Thanksgiving weekend like we just did? I was thinking about it earlier, and – It's got to go all the way back to like 2005 for me because we lost early in the high school playoffs when I was a freshman at McGinnis. So we weren't playing on Thanksgiving. But my sophomore, junior, and senior year, we were always still playing. So like this is the first time since 2005 
It's been 15 yeah. years since I've I'm, been able to enjoy Thanksgiving like this. Mine is very similar, but I think there may have been a couple of years, like whenever I've been, since I've been covering OU, where maybe they played on Saturday, or I, I don't re- remember all of the details, but there's always been some type of duties. And, you know, this is the first time there's never been any duties at all on this weekend that I can think of, just like you going all the way back to probably my junior year of high school. I drank so much. I drank so much. (laughs) It was so great. I got to enjoy Thanksgiving, ate way too much, Um, got to watch all the other college football games, got to watch – obviously got to watch the NFL games on Thursday. But also with Saturday – we got the Christmas tree put up on Saturday. I, I mean, it was stress-free living the last four or five days, Teddy. This was amazing. I, you know, my wife, this is uh, sad to admit, but she loves putting out the Christmas stuff. She put out the Christmas tree like two or three weeks ago. So <laughs> we've been in full, like, I think it was pretty much like the week weekend after Halloween, our Christmas tree was up. So... Um, we're in full Christmas mode, which by the way, right now, my living room looks like a holiday theme card right now. There's a fire going, there's a Christmas movie on the television. The stockings are hung. The Christmas tree is up. It's pretty cozy in there right now. Same. That's what, that's what we've done the last two days. And the only thing we got a new Christmas tree, um, cause we knew we needed something more substantial. Now, my wife's allergic to pine, so we can't have the real tree. And I, I'm not going to lie, I don't handle pine well that, that well either. I don't know. It gets me. makes me sneeze a little bit. I, I'm not going to lie. So we got like this 10-foot fake tree. Now, I will say, it looks pretty real, but our tree topper just is not substantial enough for it. <laughs> so uh, that, that's what we spent Sunday doing, finding a uh, – an acceptable tree topper for the new gigantic Christmas tree we've got going. That's pretty cool, though. A big Christmas tree changes the entire look of the whole house. That's awesome. Yeah. All right, Ted, let's get to the local college football. And that's brought to you by Will and Wiley Hard Seltzer. Guys, stop acting like you're too manly and just accept it. Hard seltzers are amazing, and there's only one hard seltzer that we drink on this podcast, and that is Will and Wiley Hard Seltzer from Coop Aleworks. It's perfect for any occasion. We drink it by the fire by the christmas tree yes yes we do it's made in oklahoma and it's absolutely delicious will and wiley is customized for the oklahoma lifestyle go find it right now in a store near you and go follow them on social media at at will and wiley if you're drinking some because of us tag us in your social media post to let them know okay let's start with some ou news ted now clearly ou west virginia was postponed because OU had several players and staff members test positive then you get into all the contact tracing. Those numbers start adding up quickly. But luckily with the flexibility that the Big 12 built into the schedule, it can just be rescheduled for December 12th. So you lose what you were, ho- would, what you were hoping would be an extra week of practice, getting ready for a Big 12 championship game, but not the end of the world, right? So the focus now shifts to Baylor this weekend and making sure that that game gets played. And there is some positive news. I was talking to some people Sunday. 
and they, the, the players, the staff, they all got COVID tested on Sunday. And if there's no more positives, uh, staff is hoping to be back in the office Monday morning. Uh, and then they are hopeful, and the plan would be to have a full week of practice, get in a, a normal practice weekend in preparation for Baylor. So I, that's, that's the plan at least. And, and I took that to be you know, pretty positive because I know there's a lot of stuff floating out, or, out, out there, Ted. Yeah, um, I, I think that the positives are you hit on all of them. I think you're going to be able to have a good full week here with Baylor um, back that up with a, a, a good full week uh, preparation against West Virginia. The one thing that it does help is obviously, well, in my opinion, anyways, the West Virginia game is by far the more difficult of your two remaining games. So a little bit of extra time helps you get Stogner back for that matchup and helps you get possibly Trajan Bridges back. Just a guess. Who knows if he's going to be back or not, but gives you a little bit more time for that whole situation to play itself out. So those are the positives, I would say. The negatives, you touched on it, is, you know, if you do play that West Virginia game out there in Morgantown and someone takes a, a sprained ankle or bumps and bruises where someone has to miss a week, a week isn't enough for them to get back and ready to go in the Big 12 championship game where you would have had a week built in to try and get everyone back up and ready for the game. You don't have that now, but all in all, I think for the most part, I think we'll look back at this and say no harm, no foul. Yeah. Hopefully. It, hopefully. Uh, I completely agree. And, and that's a great point on the Stogner piece, right? We had heard that, they were hoping he would be back for Baylor. Now, we'll see. You, you would definitely think he'll be ready for West Virginia. And that West Virginia defense is good. Uh, I mean, they're going to need all their weapons because that, that is a tough physical group on the defensive side of the ball for the Mountaineers. But, yeah, I, I can't wait. Ted, are you excited for a uh, nice trip to Morgantown in the middle well, of December? That should be fun. should be nice and toasty. It was going to be chilly or, I guess, cold whenever we went this weekend. Uh, I was just, you know, messing around. And nothing's guaranteed, but was looking at the forecast over the next week. It's brutal in Morgantown. So <laughs> hopefully it. they get it out of the way this week and the following week. There's some clear stuff that comes in because it was like, 25 degrees and snowing and raining and it was it was pretty bad so hopefully it's cleared up by the time we go out there come on mother nature help us out throw us a bone it's gonna be so damn cold for that game it's gonna which be i mean awful. our game this week's gonna be pretty cold too this is the latest i can remember a game being played in uh, at owen field in norman i could be wrong on that some will probably uh correct the the record on that but you know, playing in December on Owen Field is pretty rare. And if the Big 12 would go ahead and give us a game time. Uh, What's up with that? That are, I, are people getting worried? I, I mean. I don't know. I, a bunch of people have asked me why, why they haven't put the game times out. And the answer is I have no idea. I mean, I really don't. It's Sunday afternoon, right? Yeah. 
And it makes you wonder if there's virus things going on at other schools or something. I think I, I don't know. So yeah, they may but, just be waiting to get a total picture as to what they think is, is and is not going to happen before they start allocating games. I don't know. You still think that they would, they would still set times. That I, I, at least give an initial schedule of times and then leave it open to maybe having to change some throughout the week. But, yeah, I, I don't know. Strange. Yeah. So did it's, they not give any times on any games? I haven't seen any. Huh. Wow. Now, maybe they'll come Monday and we'll look like idiots right now at this portion of the podcast, which is fine. I mean, we've done it before. <laughs> that happens. But, yeah, I, I'm looking at it all right now. ESPN app, every single Big 12 game, TBD. Hmm. They've oh, got no. lines set, but they've got no times, Ted. So. Well, that's, that's the important thing. Uh, who cares when it's kicked off as long as we know how to bet on it? Exactly. Okay, so with Baylor beating Kansas State this weekend, and that was, I did not expect that to be an entertaining game, and that was a great watch. An yeah. Exciting finish, right? Charlie Brewer doing his damn thing, setting up what, John, your body is a wonderland, mares for the game winner. How about that guy? <laughs> what a kick. But so as far as I understand it, the crazy tiebreaker scenario that could have kept OU out of the Big 12 championship game no longer exists. That scenario is dead. If Oklahoma beats Baylor and West Virginia, they will play in the Big 12 championship game in Arlington. Now, it seems like it'll be against Iowa State, but that also is not a done deal yet. It's likely, but Iowa State still has some work to do or still has to give, get some quote-unquote help right from, I believe, Oklahoma State. But the path to a sixth straight Big 12 championship for the Oklahoma Sooners is clear now, Ted. I mean, they, they can see it. The path is there. Yeah, I mean, you just got to win the game in front of you. I mean, you hate this because it's all coach talk, but uh, the, the championship game doesn't matter if you don't take care of Baylor and if you don't take care of West Virginia. Um, and those coaches, those players, they're focused on Baylor 100%. We get to talk about the championship game and what might happen, but as long as this team stays focused, I don't think there's, there's any doubt that they'll end up there. I, I think they're, they're obviously a much better football team than Baylor, and assuming you have all hands on deck going out to Morgantown, you feel really good about that one, too. West Virginia is a tough, scrappy football team. There is no doubt about it. But if we play the way we're capable of, we should win that game. And then there's your matchup against Iowa State, which in the grand scheme of things, not I, I wouldn't have known how I felt about this until now. But the ability to avenge one of those losses at least says to the college football playoff committee that, we are a totally different team right now than we are when we played them in Ames. Uh, not only are we playing better, but we've got different guys. Like, we got different stars. We didn't have Ronnie Perkins. We didn't have Ramondre Stevenson. And maybe by that time, we didn't have Trajan Bridges. So, um, I do think that the way it all sets up right now is looking pretty good for Oklahoma. Now, 
we've talked about it. I was like, okay, Big 12, you can just forget about the college football playoff. You can just enjoy seeing how this conference race shakes out. You've got a lot of teams that are very close uh, talent-wise, the way that they're playing. It's going to make for a great finish. Then I spent pretty much all of Sunday morning figuring out ways that Oklahoma can get in the college football playoff. And I was like, what am I doing? Why am I doing this to myself? But, and I think we'll save this discussion for, you know, a week or two down the road. But it's really not that complicated with what has to happen for OU to get a shot. And I'm not so sure this, at the end of this season, if they keep rolling the way they're rolling, I'm not sure. I'm not so sure this won't be their best team in the last couple of years, right? I definitely think it's better than last team, last year's team. Not only their best team, but their best chance to win a championship. And I say that that has more to do with the landscape of college football than it does with how good they actually are. I think Alabama is a clear number one, and then under that. I like Clemson, not unbeatable. I like Notre Dame, definitely not unbeatable. I like Florida, not unbeatable. I like Ohio State, not unbeatable. I I mean, aside from Alabama, I think there's a bunch of teams for a bunch of different reasons this year that are good, but there's some cracks in the facade for, for some of those teams as to being like one of the, like an LSU from last year. I mean, Alabama's really good this year, but I don't see anyone else coming anywhere close to that. I don't see Ohio State or Clemson being anywhere close to what they were a year ago. I will indulge you, OU fans. Here it is. It's simple. All OU has to do, win out, dominate Iowa State in the Big 12 championship game. There's already a lot of people, a lot of well-respected people, that cover college football for a living that are recognizing that OU is playing like one of the best four teams in the country. The chatter's already out there. It's already out there. So you've got that going for you. And just a reminder, the people on the committee talk to those people. So their opinions aren't irrelevant because the people on the committee, they have the people that they trust that they talk to about these teams. That happens. I know that for a fact. Now, all you need, Alabama beats Florida in the SEC championship game. That takes away Florida. You need A&M to lose or struggle with Auburn. I don't even think they necessarily have to lose. I just think they maybe need to look unimpressive, kind of like the way they looked against LSU, Mm -hmm. right? I think that could get A&M out of it. You need Clemson to lose to Notre Dame in the ACC championship game. You need Cincinnati to play a close one. They don't even need to lose. You need Cincinnati to play a close one to Tulsa, and that's it. If those things happen. Let's go Tulsa. I I sat down Sunday morning and looked at it, and I was like, holy shit, they can get in. I mean, they can't, like, is it likely? I don't know, but – when you just lay out those four or five things that need to happen, it's not crazy to think that all those things can happen. I mean, the, 
I don't want to get my hopes up, but I looked at it and I was like, there's a very real chance now. I don't want to get too excited, but. Yeah. I mean, the first thing that you need to happen is very likely Alabama win out. That's, that's pretty likely. I think they are by far the class of the SEC. The second one that you need is a little bit more of an ask. Notre Dame to win out and beat Clemson. That's the one thing that you, that you have to have that can be incredibly difficult. And I don't – depending on how Oklahoma looks down the stretch – I mean, and some people may say this is stupid, and it probably is, but I don't know. I don't necessarily know that if Notre Dame loses to Clemson in the ACC championship, that the ACC just automatically gets two teams in. I'm not necessarily sure about that. Because if we keep playing the way that we have, and you've got Notre Dame sitting there, just lost to Clemson, depending on what that game looks like, obviously. But I'm not completely convinced that if Clemson beats Notre Dame that our ship is sunk. Okay, I'm with you there. But it's just a lot easier if Notre Dame beats Clemson. A lot easier. A lot easier. That changes everything. That would be – so I, I was thinking about it. I was like, you know what? I almost went to Notre Dame. They were my second choice. I can root for them for a couple games. Let's go Irish. Come on. Let's roll. Yeah. Come on, Ian Book. I mean, they're a fun team to watch. Uh, you know, they've played some good Agreed. football. They've obviously already beat them once this year. Now the circumstances were uh, totally different. And that's not something that you just toss away and say, well, they beat them. Uh, this is going to be a different Clemson team whenever they see him the second time around. So, but it's not out of the realm of possibility. And somebody out there may be going, what about BYU? What about BYU? The, the committee already told us how they feel. Now, they maybe, they get, maybe they get someone scheduled. I, I don't know, but we already know how they feel about BYU. They were at 14 for a reason. They missed their opportunity to, to be relevant, in my opinion. So that's so. all that has to happen. Yeah. Huh. How about that? We just need Tulsa to make sure they're down 14 going into the second half. That's, that's what we need to happen. That's the only way they win. That's exactly <laughs> what they're going to do. I know it. Can't you see the, the halftime speech if they're down or if they're like tied or up? Damn it, guys. What are we doing? We're supposed to be down 14. What are you doing? Why are we winning? You're setting <laughs> us up for failure. That's so stupid. All right, Ted, let's move on to call your shot. Is brought to you by Rock and Roll Tequila. Rock and Roll Tequila is the ultra premium tequila that hits all the right notes. It's won all kinds of awards for its superior taste and smooth finish. To find a store that has it, visit rockandrolltequila.com or check out their Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. This stuff is fantastic. If you don't want to take my word for it, maybe you'll listen to this guy. This is Coach Bob Stoops. When you're a college football coach, it's important to have an eye for talent. The same holds true when choosing your tequila. When I tried rock and roll, I liked it so much, I decided to become a partner in this Oklahoma-owned company. Crafted in the highlands of Jalisco, Mexico, the smooth taste of rock and roll's triple distilled platinum, our Añejo, called Cristalino, and the incredible premium quality mango tequila are awesome. 
Our defiantly unique guitar-shaped bottles make it easy to find, and you'll love the ultra-premium quality and taste. No excuses. Make rock and roll your game day tequila. Tastefully rebellious, start the party with rock and roll. And we asked you for your boldest takeaway in college football from this weekend, and this one comes from Boomer1990. Nice. At John underscore Boomer1990 on Twitter. Says, one, Tom Herman is done at Texas. Gary Patterson will be the next head coach. Two, A&M is not an elite team and not number five. Three, Bama is superior to everyone else. And four, Ohio State should not get into the college football playoff. That's a lot there from our friend John. But Love the hot takes, though. I, I mean, he's bringing it. He's definitely bringing it. Okay, so let's just go through them one by one. I agree. I think Tom Herman's time at Texas will be coming to an end shortly. I agree. Uh, do not agree with Gary Patterson being the next coach. Absolutely no. not. There's no and chance in hell. I'll tell you, if they get anyone other than Urban Meyer, I don't think it's going to change anything. I don't think it's going to change. I think that the natural couple of names that are going to be thrown in there, like a Matt Camp. It, Matt Campbell's name is going to come up, and I don't know that he would go within the conference. This gentleman threw in Gary Patterson. I definitely know that that wouldn't happen. But Matt Campbell is the exact scenario as Shaka Smart. Shaka Smart takes over VCU, gets a bunch of uh, underappreciated players to play out of their skull, do it with consistency, do it with toughness, with grit, with defense. And, and just play out of their mind. We got to have this guy comes into Texas where they've recruited really well in basketball. A bunch of big names have come through there. A bunch of draft picks have come through there. And they've done jack squat. It does not work. That, that mentality will not work at Texas. And you can, you can bring in a bunch of different guys. You can bring in P.J. Fleck to row the boat. You can bring in, you know, throw out the next guy but there has to be someone whose ego is so big and they are so psychotic that they don't care what the administration says they don't care what the big donors say they don't care what the recruits say and the only person with an ego that big is urban meyer and he's that's what he does he is brutal as a head coach, brutal on everyone, on his staff, on the players. I mean, on himself is, and on his himself. own personal health. Yeah, he, he is brutal. And they have to have someone that is that psychotic to take over that job, or it's just going to be the same exact thing over and over. Yeah. Or man, John said A&M is not an elite team and not number five. I, I, I don't think they're an elite team. But who else should be at number five? I mean, they beat Florida. Uh, they got more talent than Cincinnati, BYU. I mean, who else should it be? I, I think they deserve to be number five. However, I agree they're not an elite team. Bama is definitely superior to everyone else. And I disagree with Ohio State should not get into the CFP. If they get to play some games, 
they'll right. be able to play their way into it. But that seems to be up in the air there in Columbus. They're they're having their issues, Ted. Yeah, they are. Um, I don't know. It's been such a roller coaster for them. It's not shocking that they're not playing fantastic football. Um, so we'll just have to wait and see with Ohio State. They'll have an opportunity to earn their way. And if they do, they should get in. If they don't, well, then we'll, we'll find someone else. Which, should we add that to the scenario for Oklahoma, hope that Ohio State keeps having canceled games for the rest of the season? I mean, that opens that, up a spot that you had allocated. That would not hurt anything. And actually, we had someone, Andy Mancan20 on Twitter. He jumped in uh, to the uh, call your shot, and he said, Michigan will ruin Ohio State's season via COVID causing a cancellation of their game and eliminating Ohio State from the championship game with only five games played. So people are definitely thinking about it. Wow. Yeah, I mean, that's something. But, you know, to the A&M deal, I mean, it depends. how Like, everyone's classification of elite is different. I mean, if we're comparing – if we're saying you've got to be on the same level as Alabama to be elite, well, then I've got news for you. There's one elite team this year, and it's Alabama, right? Um, you know, I, I don't know what that definition is. I know that they've got a big athletic quarterback that's playing the best football of his career. I know that they've got a really good offensive line that is big and physical. Um, they've got skill position guys. Spiller is great. So – I mean, I actually like A&M a lot. And, I do too. I mean I, – I just think when – I guess it, you mentioned it. Everyone's kind of definition of elite is comparing people to Alabama and Clemson. Uh, I mean, guys, it's Alabama and Clemson. I mean, how many times have they played in the title game in a row? Like, I mean, it's just there's only one Alabama, there's only one Clemson, and then Ohio State – I know it doesn't look that way right now, but they have that amount of talent in their program. And then there's a drop-off. That's just, ha- that's just where college football is right now. It's where it's been well, for the last several years. I mean, the way to look at it for me is uh, if I go to the, the rankings and I'm, I'm going down through the list, you know, I, I would probably take A&M. They already beat Florida. I'd take A&M in a matchup against Cincinnati, against BYU, against Miami, against Indiana, against Georgia. I'd take them in a matchup over Iowa State most likely. Uh, Even whenever you get to 13 in Oklahoma, I think Oklahoma of that list would play them the best. And, I, I mean, I'm not so sure in that football game, Oklahoma would probably be favored because, um, you know, they're just – they're kind of always favored in games like that. But, I mean, it's a, I'll just tell you, it's a bad matchup for Oklahoma. That would be a hell of a football game. And, yes, uh, I have a feeling all the defensive line movement would get washed by what I believe some people are calling the Maroon Goons, that offensive yeah, like line that. from A&M. Pretty good. A&M Maroon. and Notre Dame, who's better? I, Man, Notre Dame – I think Notre Dame's defense is better. I really like the Notre Dame defense. I'm not going to lie. I like that defensive line. I think they're extremely talented. But Notre Dame, with those two offensive linemen out, 
in that game this weekend against North Carolina, like there's some, they're, they're going to have some issues if they don't get that stuff ironed out. And, and we'll get to that in our game recaps, but I, I would love to see that game. I think that'd be a hell of a football game, Notre Dame A&M. Sign yeah. me up. I think, I think Ian Book and uh, Kellen Mond are kind of similar uh, in a sense that I think they're both athletic. They can move around, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't label either one of those guys as elite passers, right? I mean, I think Mac Jones Agreed. is a better passer. I think Trevor Lawrence obviously is a better passer. I think Trask is a better passer. I think Rattler, they, a bunch of the, the high-end guys are better, like pure passers than both Kellen Mond and Ian Book. Yeah, definitely agree. Okay, one more local college football thing before we move on to National College Football Roundup. Uh, Oklahoma State and Texas Tech went full-on Old Big 12 in a 50-44 to 44 thriller. It was a lot of fun to watch. Maybe not as much fun for Oklahoma State fans, but I enjoyed the hell out of it. Now for the Cowboys, no Chuba Hubbard, no LD Brown, so they turned to Desmond Jackson, and he was awesome. I mean, he was it was awesome, and except for people that bet on Oklahoma State to cover that twelve and a half. Wow. uh, he made a he made a decision there at the end of that game that probably made some of those people upset. But we've seen more of that this year than I think we ever have. I completely agree. Like we keep we see it like every week now in multiple games. It's like Gurley scored that touchdown, and now everyone's it's like people are it. practicing it. <laughs> it's annoying. I mean, Just score a touchdown. You've got to be able to trust that one of the lowest percentage plays in in football is not going to happen i mean i i don't know but it's definitely it's cost more people more money this year than than any other year probably all the other years combined but on the flip side it's earned more people more money this year than any other year combined right there's no doubt now in that game tylen wallace he was a beast per usual but Ted, that Oklahoma State defense that we liked a lot early in the season, they gave up some huge plays in this game to Tech. Uh, Ezukama had several big catches. Sir Roderick Thompson, uh, the Xavier White kid had that long touchdown run. I mean, just explosive plays in the pass game and the run game. That third quarter, oh, my God, (laughs) that third quarter of this game was one of the most entertaining third quarters one of the most entertaining quarters in general I've ever seen, but it, it does have to be a little alarming for Oklahoma State fans and, and for that staff that when you look at what happened in that game defensively for them, they gave up all those huge plays, but they did have a pick six. Um, special teams, what they they returned a surprise onside kick for a touchdown. They forced the safety on defense. And this was still somehow a close football game. It, it, this game was insane. It was insane. And I thought it was fascinating. I, I Just a little while ago, I heard some of Gundy's Zoom um, post-game press conference. And he said it was like a heavyweight title fight to where you know you're going to take a shot you just got to keep delivering shots back and 
hopefully whenever the final bell rings, you're ahead. I was like, boy, we've got a long way from winning the Big 12 championship this year, going to the college football playoff to being in a heavyweight title fight against Texas Tech, like the, I don't know, eighth, seventh team in the Big 12 standings right now. That's their heavyweight title fight late in November. Yeah, I think that was a uh, that was a poor choice of analogy <laughs> from our man Mike Gundy. I, I heard that too, and I was like, they're, they're, "Texas Tech's not heavyweight. They're they're not they're, they're not supposed to be in the same weight class as you." Yeah, I think it was more. I would have classified it as uh, the women's tennis match, where you know you just got to hope that you can break serve at some point, you know, and and uh, get the points on your side and, and close the thing out. It was tennis match, not heavyweight title fight. Agreed. Which, Definitely. by the way, I don't. We don't have to get into heavyweight title fights because. Did you <laughs> watch the really, Tyson Roy Jones I, Jr.? I didn't. I was like, I was sitting there, I had my finger on the button to buy it, and I was just like, uh, there's some good stuff on here. I'll just. I'll just watch the, you know, the, the highlights or whatever later. And I still haven't seen the highlights, but judging by the commentary, it sounds like it was a good non-purchase. Now, the actual boxing highlights, I don't know a ton about boxing. There was some good stuff. I mean, okay. Mike Tyson did some stuff. You're like, nice. But the one thing you definitely met, Snoop Dogg on the <laughs> commentary, <what> it was, <laughs> dude, would I tell you it was some of the funniest shit I've ever heard? Like he kept saying that it was like his uncle's fighting at the barbecue, and it it was Snoop Dogg on that, that fight. Quote, yeah, when I saw that quote, I was like, "Oh God, I guess this was horrible." There's no, I'm I'm glad I didn't tune in, but that's funny. I can imagine that it was it was pretty good if he was doing the entire commentary. That's funny. Yeah the <laughs> uh, the the boxing match was ruled a draw, but there was one clear winner. And it was Snoop Dogg because he was hilarious. <laughs> Love it. All right, Ted, let's move on to the National College Football Roundup. That's brought to you by Insurica. Do you own a business? If you do, you need Insurica in your life. Insurica is one of the country, country's largest insurance brokers with 30 offices throughout Oklahoma, Texas, and the Southwest. Insurica is able to customize programs by accessing the latest information from many insurance carriers. They compare and contrast coverage offerings and pricing in order to design a cost-effective comprehensive program to meet your business's specific needs. Insurica's clients become best-in-class businesses by working with Insurica's team of advisors to manage risk. Purchasing insurance is only one way to protect your business. Best-in-class businesses win by avoiding a loss in the first place. If your business partners with Insurica, you'll save huge amounts of money and take back control of your total cost of risk. I'm an Insurica client, and you should be too. If your business wants to be best-in-class, connect with Insurica, at insurica.com. That's I-N-S-U-R-I-C-A.com. Okay, let's start with Iowa State going to Austin and beating Texas 23-20. Now, Ted, even though Texas had a lot of errors in this game, they, they, they had the unsuccessful fake punt. They got stuffed on the fourth and two instead of kicking the field goal and just taking the points. Uh, they couldn't co cover Charlie Kohler in the second half, and he was just eating. And 
for whatever reason, they didn't just keep throwing Brendan Eagles the ball. I don't know why he was dominating the game when they went to him. I, I don't know why they didn't target him 15 times. It made no sense. But that all being said, the moment was there for Sam Ellinger. Brees Hall scores with a minute 25 to go. It's Texas's senior day. And Ellinger had the chance to go win the game with the drive in the last minute. And not only did he not go win the game, but he takes an absolutely horrible sack that makes it a 58-yard field goal for Cameron Dicker, which he barely misses, and he crushed that football. He did. I was like, I was like damn, and dude. It, only, it was right down the middle for the entire way, and then like when it got to the goal line, it took a hard left. That was crazy. If they would have been a couple yards closer – if Ellinger doesn't take the sack, it goes in. Why does in. he do that? That's so unlike him at this stage in his career. To take, it gets a three-man rush, too. He had tons of time to throw the football away. I, I don't know. I, I, I don't have an answer for you, but, I mean, Texas was in control a lot of this game and just had a ton of errors in the fourth quarter. I mean, clock management errors. Tom Herman made some interesting decisions. I – I thought the fourth and two was a good call. He, he kind of explained that it's what the analytics say to do. And anytime you got, you know, fourth and one and a half and you give the ball to Ellinger, you know, we've seen it year after year after year in the Cotton Bowl, right? Like mm-hmm. that's, that's a pretty high percentage when it comes to converting that for Texas. But, man, it was just – it felt like Texas shouldn't have lost this game. But I, I feel like this kind of describes – Tom Herman's whole tenure at Texas, just like the lack of attention to detail, like the little things, right? And they're still getting tons of penalties, you know, game management. You know, you've got your senior quarterback taking an inexcusable sack. It, 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 just, it just felt very – it was like a microcosm of everything that's happened since Tom Herman got to Texas. I mean <sighs> – so this game was going on during my show Friday and I had a, I had a meltdown during this football game because exactly what you talked about here. Was it the first series they threw the long touchdown to Brennan Eagles? Yeah. First series, right? Right. They go right down the field and they don't do it again. They don't do it again. And I'm, I'm just, I'm so frustrated with a bunch of, of the, whether it's play calling or game plan that we see in this conference, it sucks. It is terrible. Like these coaching staffs, I don't, I don't know what they're doing. Just get out of the way. Don't make it more difficult than it is. If you have a receiver that is six foot five, 235 pounds, and runs a 4'4", and it's a great vertical threat, just don't stop throwing it. Because that defensive back, although those first two may be incomplete, I'll tell you what that guy is saying whenever Eagles goes vertical. It's like, oh, shit. Oh, my God. Don't throw it. Don't throw it here. Don't throw it here because he can't see the ball. He, don't, he doesn't know where it is. The guy he's covering is six inches taller than him. But they don't do it. They don't do it. It's amazing. I see it over and over in this conference nonstop, and it's just like 
just get out of the way. Like, you can't see the forest for the trees right now. Take a step back and, and look at your team and say, who are the two, three, or four guys we need to give the football to? And let's just find easy ways to do that. It doesn't seem that difficult to me. Yeah, Brandon Eagles, five catches, 142 yards. Only got the ball five times. Only got that guy the ball five times. Makes no sense. Makes absolutely no sense. Don't know. I, and how many of them? How many of those yards came on that first play? Yeah, that long one. 65? I believe it was. It was like sixty. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. <sighs> dude. It's frustrating. Now, now I will say, one of my favorite quotes ever from a college football player came after this uh, this game, and you know how much I love Brees Hall. Mm-hmm. And statistically, right, he had he had kind of a quiet game, and we we thought he might right. They, they might struggle to run it against that Texas defensive front that's been playing a little better, but ends up with 91 yards, you know, had the game-winning touchdown. And the quote after the game, Teddy, we always say it's five-star culture versus five-star players. How quickly can Iowa State get that on a T-shirt? I love it. I love it. Not only do I love it, I would – if I was the Texas athletic director or the Texas coach or a Texas player, a Texas strength coach, um, guy that's in the, I mean, I, that would like burn my soul. I would want to curl up in a ball, lay down on the ground and fall asleep or hopefully just never be seen again because it's true. And every single person in the Big 12 or in college football, can see it, except for Texas. They can't see it. They can't see it, and they never will, unless they hire a psychotic person like Urban Meyer, and he'll show it to them. But outside of that, nah, they got it. They got the handle on things. They are – this is why I think, you know, if, if if they get rid of Tom Herman, if you don't have Urban, Urban Meyer, be careful what you wish for, man, because I know that, and I've been fighting this battle since I picked up a radio headset, but I know in Austin they think that the Texas job is the best job in all of football. I think that job sucks. I think it's a horrible job. I think they're, the, everyone around you is going to help you fail. The expectations are way better or way higher than what they should be. I think that job sucks. Think it's terrible. And if you look at their last couple of uh, head coaching searches, I think that would tell you exactly that. Yeah, I I mean, you, you got to go back just a couple of years. Like, Tom Herman was the guy. Like, everyone wanted Tom Herman. Remember, he could have gone to LSU, chose Texas instead. So, uh, if they – and I don't know if they don't get Urban Meyer, like, who's the next guy? That's what I'm saying. It's like I don't know. It's like careful, will Billy Napier of... take that job? Like is... why would he? Why would he? I mean, I know they're going to back up a, a Brinks truck, but do you want to go to Texas? Get told what to do. Uh, get told how to run your football team. Have your players uh, show up as a bunch of prima donnas, 
and everyone in Texas point at you and say you're the reason why this thing is terrible, although it's been terrible for outside of a couple of seasons, it's been bad for like, you know, most of their existence. There is one team in this country who year after year after year after year does far worse than what their recruiting rankings say they should. They get less out of their players than anyone else, and that's the University of Texas. Now, there has to be a reason. I don't like Tom Herman, but he knows how to coach football. Charlie Strong knows how to coach football. Like the, There's something going on there whenever a guy goes in there and knows how to do things, and it, he gets spit up and – or chewed up and spit out with five and seven football teams. There's something else going on there. Yeah. Well, Texas is five and three, and that's probably why Sam Cosme is opting out for the rest of the year for the Longhorns. You can't really blame the kid, right? This is a guy that is just going to go ahead and get ready for the draft, uh, has the potential to be, a lot of people think, uh, has the potential to be a top 10 pick. So, with the way that things are going, seems like a good choice. So, good luck to Sam Cosby. All right, Ted, let's move on. Uh, Notre Dame took, par- took care of business against North Carolina. Uh, they won 31-17. Now, the Notre Dame defense, it, it struggled early, but they ended up being the difference in this one. Especially that second half, they were, they were fantastic, and they shut Sam Howe. And all those dynamic skill players for North Carolina down, uh, they sacked Sam Howell six times, uh, shut down that Carolina running game with Williams and Carter, and North Carolina didn't even score in the second half. I mean, this was a game that was tied at halftime. Kyron Williams had another big game, three touchdowns. Now, it did seem like Ian Book, we talked about it earlier, but he was running around a lot, right, under a little more pressure than we've seen from him, but used that athleticism to buy some more time in this game. And I think that is a product of Notre Dame having to replace those two starters off that offensive line. They are going to have to get better, those two guys in particular, for them to get where they want to be. So we'll see if they get that worked out, but – Overall, you go on the win, you go on the road, you win against a talented team or at least a team that is talented on the offensive side of the ball. So, solid road victory for Notre Dame. Not was. I mean, we kind of know what North Carolina is right now. Really good offensively, defensively, not that great, but this was a this was a dangerous game for Notre Dame and we knew it was going to be all season been looking looking at this one saying going to North Carolina late is kind of a trap game if you want to call it that for for Notre Dame and the fact that they've been able to you know um, got past Boston College not looking great um, you know got past North Carolina after a kind of a shoddy start there defensively they've got Syracuse and at Wake here to close out the season and I mean you got to feel pretty good about what Notre Dame's done I mean I, I don't think they are like a uh, Clemson from years past or Alabama this year or years past or an LSU from last year, but it's a good, solid football team that, you know, 
deserves their ranking right now, and I think they end up as a top five squad by the end of the year. Pretty good, pretty good job by Notre Dame piecing everything together this year. Yeah, and I think we're we're all just waiting for that rematch between them and Clemson. Yep. I mean, if we're being real, so we'll see if they can do it again. We'll see. I but... just hope that it's a a rematch where both teams are at full strength, so we can see that matchup the way it should be. Yeah, no doubt. Okay, Iron Bowl. Uh, it it went about the way we thought it would. Alabama stomped Auburn, forty two thirteen, and I'm not even sure it was that close. But no Nick Saban on the sideline, and that was not a problem for the Crimson Tide. Mac Jones looked really good again, threw for five touchdowns. And hey, hey Auburn, you may want to cover Devonte Smith. Maybe don't leave that dude wide open. Just unbelievable that they let him run free. But Alabama, just so many explosive plays offensively. I'm not sure how different this game would have been if Seth Williams didn't drop that wide open touchdown. Bo Nix actually threw a good football and the kid dropped it. I felt so bad for him. But the big takeaway from this one for me is that Bo Nix, he's, he's a good little athlete, still not very good at playing quarterback, still not very good at the whole throwing portion of things. But that, that Alabama defense, it, it's, it's starting to come along, and they had some rough patches earlier in the year. A lot of people remember what Ole Miss did to them, right? But they've settled in. They've got so much damn talent, and we're starting to see some of these young guys from Bama make some big plays, and you saw what the Malachi Moore kid got another interception, and that kid, you can tell already, he's, he's going to be you know the next great there in the Bama secondary, but this team just looks better than everyone else. Uh, I don't know if there's a better way to say it. They just, they just look better. They look better physically. They're playing cleaner. They're explosive offensively. They're physical defensively. Uh, they look great. I don't know what else to say about them. They do. And there was a shot, you know, um, oh, it was probably early third quarter, but Auburn had the ball and they're kind of in the huddle and they break the huddle, kind of like a muddle huddle or whatever, but they've got the the on-field camera, like the end zone shot, you know, the camera that moves around the sky cam. And it's just kind of right there behind the huddle looking towards the Alabama defense. And <laughs> Alabama, all their guys are just standing there. Like, no one has their hands on their hips. No one's, like, walking around. There, there's no frantic, like, trying to get the call in. There's just a bunch of guys standing there with their arms hanging down to, like, uh, just above their knee. Just look like giants across the entire shot just standing there. And I was like – that is what a college defense is supposed to look like. That group right just, there, it was specimens across the board. Just creatures as yep. far as the eyes can see. <laughs> they, I mean, they look ridiculous. Man, they, they're the type of team that they're starting and they're, they're only getting better and better players because they keep sending so many guys to the league. Like, they look as close to an NFL team as a college team can look like yeah. it is. And, and that's the way they've recruited, right? It's well-documented. 
the type of you know measurements Saban and his staff are looking for and what they do. A lot of people around the country have tried to emulate their scouting, uh, their recruiting, the way that they do it. I, they're just like a joke team, man. You just see them, and like like you said, they were all just like staring into the guys from Auburn's souls, and I was just like, oh my gosh, these guys—they're five-star <laughs> cyborgs. That's what they are. It, it's unbelievable. And here's what's great: they go and they play at Alabama for this is what I'm ta- talking about with Urban Meyer and in like the Texas job. Like there is so many highly recruited players there at Alabama that everyone could go in there and have this huge ego about how important they are and, you know, how they're, they're the reason everything works the way it does there. But that's what I thought was awesome about that shot is like, there is no ego. There's nothing but football. Like you don't go to Alabama to be a superstar. You, Alabama is NFL boot camp. You go to Alabama to win games, to learn foot, football, to get the absolute, absolute hell coached out of you for three or four years or however long you're there, and that's the understanding going in. That's why it's, it's crazy because the five stars go there, but whenever they walk in the door, they don't act like five stars anymore. They act like the kid that's been looked over and has to do absolutely everything right to get on the field. That's No one else really replicates that. That's what's most amazing about the job Nick Saban has done there. Yeah. That's a really good way of putting it. You should, you should, like, well, you, you should think about a career in radio. Here's what's frustrating, though. You remember the – the touchdown that I think Jalen Hurts scored a touchdown in the spring game. And he was like posing there in the end zone after he and all the, t- the players came up and someone asked him after the game, would you have been able to do that at Alabama? Would Nick Saban have said something to you? And he was like, I, no, I would not have done that at Alabama. And doesn't that kind of tell you everything you need to know, like already right there that I mean, there's just a different mindset whenever you're there. It's certainly different, man. It, it's certainly different. It's, and it's working. It's working. I, I think that – I mean, it's obvious that it's been working for a long time for Nick Saban, but that team this, – this year's Alabama team looks damn good. And in my opinion, they're head and shoulders the favorite to win the national championship with what they're doing on both sides of the ball. We'll see. You, mm-hmm. you never know. You never know. Which is but. the craziest thing is, I don't know, and we've said this a little bit with Tua, but with Alabama, it's like, I don't know that anyone can stop them. Oh, no, you're going to have to – they are going to score 40. Yeah. Like, you can book it. It's going to happen. That's why you look at some of these teams. That's why like, I think Florida – has a better chance of beating Alabama than A&M because Florida can score. Mm-hmm. Like, Trask is going to spread it around. Kyle Pitts is going to make some plays. Like, they can score. Like, you can't beat this team if you can't score a lot. I don't. That's why I don't think Notre Dame can beat Alabama because they yeah. can't hang with them if it just turns into a shootout. Well, and you watched Ian Book. We were talking about how he was running around that North Carolina game. I got news for you. 
you don't run around the edge at quarterback against Alabama like that, you know. Instead of being one of the more athletic guys on the field, Ian Book will check in somewhere around like number 15 out of 22 guys out there. You know what I'm saying? So you don't just you don't just scramble and get the corner against them. I mean, even Kyler found that out whenever we played him in 18. Right. Just five-star robots. They're fun to watch, though. They play some damn good yep. football. A uh, couple pieces of college football news. Ted, I don't know if you saw this, but Sarah Fuller became the first woman to play in a Power 5 college football game. And a lot of OU fans saw what she did, and they were like, if only we could have had that in the first half against Georgia in the Rose Bowl. <laughs> That's what a squib kick is supposed to be like. Sarah Fuller, boom. Guy doesn't even return it, just lays on it. A perfectly executed squib kick. Now, kind of unfortunate she didn't get a chance to attempt a field goal or even an extra point because Fandy's offense was so bad in that game. But still, uh, I mean, my, my wife was all into this. She was showing me updates of what was going on in that game. I was like, I do not care about <laughs> Vanderbilt, Missouri. No one cares about that game. But I was wrong. A, a lot of people, this was kind of something that went outside of all of us that are college football fanatics, right? This is stuff that's going to be talked about on talk shows and all those things. And that's good for the sport. I thought it was really cool. But that, that didn't save Derek Mason from getting fired on Sunday because they, uh, they still haven't won a game. And even, even the positive press of having Sarah Fuller play for them on Saturday, uh, couldn't save our man, Derek Mason. He has been fired by Vanderbilt, and that's, that's a different job. We'll see who the candidates uh, that emerge are for that one, but it was still cool. It was cool. It was fun to talk about, uh, fun to see. It was cool. Now, I'm not going to give you much opinion here because a little foreshadowing here, this could be either a winner or a loser for me. Okay, well, then let's – that's that's next. We'll just – We'll just move on to the next piece of news. I don't want you to ruin it. I'm not going to ruin it. Um, one more piece of news. <laughs> Buffalo running back Jarrett Patterson. He tied the FBS record by scoring not one, not two. Where's the LeBron James clip when I need it? <laughs> not three, not four, not five. He scored eight, eight touchdowns, Teddy. Now, I don't know about you, but I know a lot of OU fans were worried about Samaj P. Ryan's record. In this game, you know, the 427, but luckily the coaching staff didn't know how much, how many yards he had. They didn't even know how many touchdowns he had. So they kind of took him out of the game, which was perfect because Jared Patterson ended up 18 yards short of Samaj P. Ryan's single game record. But Jared Patterson ends with 409 yards rushing, eight touchdowns. That's a, uh, that's a pretty solid day. Yeah, I mean, I've played in some games where um, thing is over and you're just out there playing defense. Like, there becomes a time where it's all about saving face, right? And you're not going to win the football game. You just don't want to get embarrassed because it's going to be on film. People are going to look at it. They're going to see your last name on your jersey as you go chasing some guy down the field again on another explosive play. 
But I, these games were like, didn't a guy at Arizona State have eight rushing touchdowns um, a couple years back? It's kind of the same type of game where it's just like, oh my God, please make it end. That's got to be the worst feeling ever as a defensive player because they're running it on you. It's not like, you know, sometimes you in a passing game where someone throws like that, you come out of the game, you sit down in your locker, it's like, did we even play a football game? I'm not even tired. I don't have uh, any stains on my jersey. I didn't get hit at all. But when someone's running the ball on you for over 400 yards, you feel it. That is the ultimate adding uh, insult to injury there whenever you put up that type of numbers on a defense. Shocking. It's uh, They kept cutting away to it, and I was just like, oh, my gosh, is this kid tired? He's got to be tired. That's just it's just a lot of running in general, but it was, you know, pretty cool. It, was, it wasn't the best slate of games, so for the Sarah Fuller thing to happen for Vanderbilt, for this to happen for Buffalo's Jared Patterson, kind of added some fun to the weekend slate there in college football. All right, Ted, let's get to our segments. Let's start with winners and losers of the weekend. And Teddy's winners and losers are brought to you by Advanced Weight Loss Clinic of Sand Springs. They'll help you execute a realistic and achievable weight loss plan designed for you and only you. They've got all kinds of treatments for men and women. Their licensed and trained experts combine diet and exercise with hormone therapies to maximize your results. If you're struggling with low libido or low energy, Advanced Weight Loss Clinic of Sand Springs can help with that too. They also offer Botox and fillers. To get on the path to losing weight, call 918-241-LOSE or visit their Facebook page. If you mention the podcast, you will get a free fat burner injection. All right, Ted, who do you is your winner of the weekend? Well, for my winner, I've got to go to Kyle Trask. I mean, Gabe, whenever this season started off, I said that, oh, I don't know how good Florida is going to be. Kyle Trask to me is just okay, just another quarterback. But he has been amazing and it's probably going to win the Heisman Trophy, right? Or, or at least he probably should. He's got 34 touchdowns on the season right now to only three interceptions. Here's what he's done his last three games. Uh, 12 touchdowns, zero interceptions, and he's averaging about uh, you know somewhere around 330 a game in those three games. So he has totally separated himself right now statistically a couple weeks back you were he was on pace with like um what joe burrow did i'd like to see where that is right now because the dude is absolutely on file fire and the best thing about it and i did not see this coming uh, it's one thing to throw a bunch of touchdowns and you know be really aggressive push the ball down the field but Three interceptions, 34 touchdowns to just the three interceptions. That's amazing. He is – I understand that some people don't think he has elite arm strength, and I don't think he does either. But the guy just puts the ball in good spots. He, he makes good decisions with the football. Now, having Kyle Pitts and guys like Kadarius Tony, like, that helps too. Yeah, there's no doubt. But I don't know why some people have trouble acknowledging the fact that Kyle Trask is balling. 
Like he is. Yeah. Maybe because he's kind of a goofy looking dude. I, I don't know. But the dude is playing damn good football. And if I I don't think they can beat Bama, but I'm excited to watch him try. I know that. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I agree. I think it's gonna be like we talked about earlier, if anyone can can try and uh, keep up with what Alabama's going to do offensively, it would be Florida. Um, it's going to be way more difficult, obviously, against that Alabama defense, but um, they are a team that has the ability to try and match the way Alabama uh, does. Now, the difference is Alabama's probably going to, in that game, they'll probably try to slow it way down. Uh, slow the possessions down, run the football, and uh, try and chip away at the game that way and dominate it that way. But, yeah, they've got a chance to be able to score some get points and be in that game. Yeah. My only concern is that Kyle Pitts may take some Heisman votes from him with the way that that kid's playing. I know he, yeah, he's a beast. he remember that hit he took and missed some, missed some time because of that shot he took in the Georgia game. But, man – he uh he is a special tight end. It's gonna be interesting to see when he gets drafted, right? I he is he is spectacular. All right, Ted, who do you have as your loser of the weekend? Vanderbilt. Now we talked about this with the Sarah Fuller thing. Now I know what you're thinking, Gabe. I'm not going the direction you're thinking. So I read an article that said at halftime of this game. Sarah Fuller stands up and basically calls out the Vanderbilt football team. Like, this atmosphere is not what it should be. Whenever we're making plays out there, you have to be up on the sideline. Whenever someone makes a bad play, a mistake, you've got to go over there and bring them up, bring that person up. And, you know, basically – She's been on the football team for 10 seconds and is also a kicker, but is acting like the team captain. Good for her. What I'm saying is how bad must it be in that locker room on that sideline that someone has to be on that football field for – one week and come in and essentially call out all the seniors and captains and everyone that this is not a winning atmosphere. Like I love it for her, but I, that is a shot directly at everyone else in that locker room to let it get to that point. That's brutal. I, brutal. I thought you were Could about you to be like that. I, I thought you were about to be like, and then I realized it was an onion article. <laughs> and it was all a joke and i was like oh my god he's serious this actually happened now yeah that's and I, and I know that vanderbilt had an unbelievable amount of guys opt out this year before the season i understand that but they're zero and eight they're awful that is the worst thing i mean that's the worst thing possible that gets out there I mean, that is a detriment. Uh, it's an indictment on everyone on that team and right. everyone involved with it. 
that's that's shocking. I wonder if anybody was like, hey, Sarah, you know, we appreciate the help with the kicking, but please shut up. <laughs> You've been here for like two days. Oh, my God. I mean, I- she was the only one that did anything positive. Like they said, hey, we want you to squib it here. She squibbed it right there. It worked perfectly. The rest <sighs> of that team, I mean, it was a terrible performance. I can't believe I actually watched some of that game. But I was I was hoping, like, hey, maybe they'll get in field goal range. Maybe they'll score a touchdown, get to witness a little history, right? See, and, and I was, like, so baffled by it that I was like, oh, God, we have to talk about this. But now you've honestly got me feeling like it was an Onion article or something, so I'm going to have to chase it down just to make I sure. I hope it is because it would be <laughs> hilarious either way. But if it was, it was an onion article created for one person for me. Like they knew like that would go because I, you know how I feel about kickers to begin with. And you know, that, that, that sent me over the top. I I was uh, a a kicker that hasn't been on the team for a week. (laughs) And like, it doesn't even matter. She's a woman. Like still the kickers are kickers. I don't care. Like this should never be a, a time no matter how long they've been there that a kicker should have to step up and say anything normally if a kick let's i mean let's be real normally if a kicker was to stand up and to say something like that in a locker room you would tell them to shut the fuck up (laughs) like that's how it works like no kicker would ever do that because kickers know their role right maybe that was it and i will give her credit right i know is she and what i think i think vanderbilt soccer won the sec for the first time so like yeah i mean she's she's like i mean she's a legitimate soccer player on a legitimate soccer team so knows knows about like winning culture but now but no kicker no kickers making that speech come on ever come on ever uh, I'm hoping I didn't get onioned, but you've got me so like You're really worried now. about it now. I am. You? I'm worried about it <laughs> I now. I hope it's true. <laughs> uh, okay. Hey, even even if it was an onion article, the thought of it, you know, should be embarrassing for Vanderbilt. <laughs> yeah. And kickers don't do that. Oh my gosh! If that actually happened, could you imagine? Oh, talk about a rough week for Vanderbilt fans Oof. for the players. You haven't won a game, and you, you, your failures as a team just broadcast all across the country because Sarah Fuller kicked for you. So now everyone knows. Like Vanderbilt being Vanderbilt being terrible at football, it kind of can fly under the radar, right? There's a lot more things to talk about in the college football world than Vanderbilt sucking at football, but not when this happens. Now everyone's talking about Vanderbilt in every single article about it. Like, fly under the radar. Now every single article or piece on TV done about it, it's like, despite the team being god-awful, Sarah Fuller did her job. Like It's just like, oh, now everyone, even people that don't follow college football, know you suck now. That's, you, uh, that's rough. You think that was like the actual goal all along? Like, guys, we're horrible, but nobody notices and nobody cares. How can we draw the attention to everyone to take a look and say, wait, oh, my God, they're horrible. Here you go. This is it. This is the only way you can make national news. So, 
I don't know. Fascinating. I don't know. All right. My winners and losers are brought to you by Sound Advice. A lot of us are watching our favorite football teams from home this year, which is why you need to get ready for game day with a home theater system from our friends at Sound Advice. Sound Advice can customize your home entertainment system indoors or outdoors. Sound Advice did the Wi-Fi network and all the audio visual at my new house, and it is awesome. They hide all the wires and the cable boxes so it looks great, and I can control every TV in my house from my phone, and my internet has been flawless. For the best home theater systems in the Oklahoma City area, call Sound Advice at 405-549-3880 or visit soundadviceokc.com. Okay, Ted, so my winner of the weekend thought about going with the Cleveland Browns because despite all the nitpicking that people want to do with Baker Mayfield and with that team, they beat Jacksonville. They're eight and three. This is not college football. This is the National Football League. Eight and three is a damn good record. I I don't care how much you want to complain. Eight and three is eight and three in that league. That's how it works. It's the Browns. Yep. They're eight and three. Please it's, keep it, your bitching to yourself. I, I know it's not perfect. It's not always going to be perfect. Eight and three. I don't know how many times I need to say it. Good teams, good teams in the NFL sometimes can only win six games. I mean, because of circumstances and things happen and injuries and whatever else, you know, a team that's, that has good players and is coached well sometimes can go six and ten. So to be eight and three right now, hey, hats off, hats off. But give that, give that team some credit, damn, but – my winner of the weekend, it, it, it has to be the New Orleans Saints defense. Because, Ted, has there ever been an easier NFL game to play in for a defensive player? None of the Broncos quarterbacks could play because they didn't follow the mask policies. The NFL wanted to punish them. I know Drew Locke put something out there on Instagram. Drew, I'm just telling you, no one cares. You weren't able to play. All your fans are just pissed at you because they had to pay money to watch that atrocity of offensive football. But the reason the New Orleans State defensive players are the winners of the week is like, it cannot get any easier than that. And this is how bad it was, okay? So they end up playing Kendall Hinton, who played some quarterback in college. He's a practice squad wide receiver. He plays some snaps at quarterback for them in this game. The Denver Broncos, in a National Football League game, completed one pass. (laughs) One pass. Kendall Uh, Hinton was one of nine for 13 yards. Unfortunately, he threw two interceptions. And... This is how bad it was. And, and I think the NFL wanted to make an example of the Broncos. They wanted to punish them. They wanted, to get, they wanted them to get embarrassed. I read an article, which was not an Onion article. This one was real. <laughs> I found it on ESPN, so we're good. I oh, actually, I oh thank it. God. I like, oh, oh, God. Good. Okay. <laughs> but the Broncos, this is how much faith they had in Kendall Hinton. They tried to convince the NFL to let them play 
one of their quality control coaches at quarterback. <laughs> They've had a guy that, that I'm, I'm dead serious. They had a guy, he's been there for a couple years, and they thought that he gave them the best opportunity. He had the best understanding of the offense, and he would give them the best chance of, you know, give them the best chance to win. The league said no. So the Broncos had to play the Hinton kid. And they, they put Philip Lindsay in the Wildcat quite a few times. They did it with a couple people, actually. But how can they say no, though? Why don't they just sign him to the roster? They said they couldn't. <laughs> I'm dead serious. <laughs> it's all in there. They're like, said he couldn't sign him, sign a coach to the roster. I was laughing. Oh, I was dying laughing. Reading that it. is but, fantastic. But I, I know this game didn't help any of the Saints players. You know, when you talk about, you know, racking up sacks, hitting those incentives in your contract. But what a ridiculous football game. It couldn't get any easier for Saints defensive players than it did on Sunday. I... I'm not going to lie. I watched way too much of this game. It was on red zone quite a bit. And it was, it was like watching a car wreck. I, I just couldn't look away. It was, <laughs> it was brutal, dude. But I was like, this is absolutely fascinating. I need to show that game to my brother because every year my brother and I, we get together on Thanksgiving and we watch football and we root against the Dallas Cowboys. And, he has himself convinced that he should be playing quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys. I'm like, I, I wish that's as close as we could get for a guy walking off the street playing quarterback for a football team. That's what I need to show him. He thinks steel be... toe boots and all and Wranglers, he could go out there and throw for three touchdowns, 275 yards. Uh, I'll say this. He could probably complete one pass. <laughs> But you mentioned. Oh my God! I I wish they would have let Jackie Moon, uh, you know, go from coach to to quarterback from the quality control. That is fantastic. Yeah, that's uh, that's how bad it was. Whew. Boy, but was it fun to watch? I don't know if "fun's" the right word, but I just couldn't look away. All right, that my loser of the weekend. <laughs> I thought about going with Nate Robinson because oh. Uh, he got knocked out by Jake Paul, who, who, if you don't know, is a YouTuber and and a total idiot. And yes, and just uh, seems to be a, an awful person to be around, from awful. what I can gather. But Nate Robinson's never going to live that down. And all those NBA guys were so pissed at him because now everyone is. So what, this, what was this like? Was this on the Tyson card or something like as an exhibition? I, I just saw I, I was watching it on Twitter. I, I don't oh, really okay. know. It may be it's it like was. a YouTube deal, I bet. But I, 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 I watched him get knocked out and I was just like, oh, but like you're not supposed to get knocked out cold now, in a celebrity boxing thing. He's had a couple of fights, hadn't he? Hadn't Jake Paul fought a couple of different people like legit MMA stuff? He he definitely looked like he knew what he was doing more than Nate Robinson. I don't and know who was coaching big Nate. Too, isn't he? Yeah, he's a big dude. Looked like a big dude. Yeah. It was I mean, you talk about becoming an instant meme. Yeah. Oh, Nate Robinson was all over the internet, but 
that's one of those that's like you don't take that because it is a lose lose. You win the fight, who cares? You beat up some YouTube star. I you lose the fight. Oh boy. I I hope the check was big for our man <laughs> Nate. That's all I hope because uh, it's going to take a long, long time for people to forget that one. But he's not my loser of the week. I also thought about going with the Raiders because what was that? They just got drilled by the Falcons. And oh, but my loser of the week, it's got to be the Pac 12 Conference because mm-hmm. Oregon loses to Oregon State in what can only be described as a poorly officiated game and an epically bad jersey matchup with all the highlighter that was going on in that football <laughs> they game. They kind of needed it, though, yeah, honestly. But I, I wonder if they saw fog in the forecast and they're like, okay, we're going to have to roll with the highlighters, gang. <laughs> like, we're going highlighter on highlighter because it really did help you see the players through the fog. That's a good point. Teddy, but Oregon loses, and it, it, it already felt like Oregon was the Pac-12's only chance for the college football playoff. But after they lose this game, it almost feels like the Pac-12 just doesn't matter this season anymore. And I, I hate to say it that way because I know Washington and USC, they're, they're still undefeated. I understand that. But neither of those teams have looked any good. They haven't been impressive at all. No one from the Pac-12 is going to make the college football playoff. It doesn't seem like people really even care about what's going on, and some of the people in the Pac-12 itself don't seem to care. Maybe it's just me, but, Ted, it feels like Pac-12 football has never felt more insignificant than right now. And I know that's harsh, but that's how it feels. You're right. And it also is like there's no sign of it really changing either. Is there? I mean, I, it's a long way to fall from what we've seen, those old USC teams in the early 2000s, how good those teams were. You know, Oregon had their run. I, what They made the championship the first year of the college football playoff and with Marcus Mariota and were close, but Man, it's I, – I don't know, man. I, I just – I don't see it changing. And the real problem is if you're a college football player, this, this pandemic has been so bad for the Pac-12 because it shows that, you know, it, it's made everything more obvious. Like the places that really care about football, it's made it really obvious that they really care about football. The places that don't care about football, it's made it really obvious that they don't care about football. And, I mean, it's just – it's glaringly clear that if you are a, a big-time football player, there's no reason to stay in the Pac-12. There's no reason to stay west of the Colorado Rockies. There's really not. And I bet they're, they're going to start losing more and more. California still puts out a bunch of really good uh, athletes. And Oregon's been, been getting quite a few of them. USC still gets – uh, some of them, but my guess is those guys are going to slowly but surely start going other places in, in bigger numbers. So you, this just popped into my brain just with what you said right there. You, you mentioned Oregon is, I mean, and they've got a really good class right now. Mario Cristobal. They've recruited well. I, 
I just want your instant reaction. Mario Cristobal, head coach at Texas. Thoughts? I mean, I don't think it does anything more than – you want someone that gets more out of their players. I does does Mario Cristobal get more out of his players? Or about what we? They just lost to Oregon State. Just lost to Oregon State. How are you going to put that over with your donors? You know, I mean, I like Cristobal, but dude, I it, it's really hard to just hey, sit down I and like think about it. like who who who's good for Texas. It's just hard to think about. But there's only I'm telling you, there's only one coach that will win and change that program and it's urban meyer i cannot be convinced otherwise fair everyone enough. else will be they'll walk all over them. fair enough all right let's move on to wet the beak it's brought to you by tim hughes custom homes are looking are you looking to build your dream home if so tim hughes is the man you're looking for tim hughes custom homes is a one-stop shop for all your home building needs he can find you a lot he can find you an architect he'll find you financing and of course he can build your dream home exactly the way you want it. Sounds too good to be true, right? Well, Tim found my wife and me a lot. He found us an architect and built our new house. Tim and his team were so easy to work with. He is still helping us when we have questions about things around the house. He's also built several office buildings. So if your business is looking to build a custom office, Tim Hughes is your man. You can see Tim's custom builds throughout Gallardia, Nichols Hills, Oak Tree, Stone Mill, and Rose Creek. It is a great time to build the house of your dreams. For more information and to see Tim's spectacular work, visit his Instagram page at Tim Hughes Custom Homes or visit TimHughesCustomHomes.com. Okay, so Monday night football is Seahawks and Eagles. Uh, this game does have some intrigue because it, it, it's always fun watching Russell Wilson. It's always fun just staring at DK Metcalf and how he looks physically. Uh, there's also reports, right? Jalen Hurts. Getting some first-team snaps. Now, we don't know if he's going to start, but maybe he'll get some run in this game. But, Teddy, we have Tuesday night football this week. And it's more intriguing because the Ravens will be traveling to Pittsburgh to take on the undefeated Pittsburgh Steelers. And the Steelers are a 10-point favorite. Mm. 10. Because... The best part about this game, we really have no clue who is playing for the Ravens because here's just a few guys that are on the COVID list for Baltimore. Lamar Jackson, Mark Ingram, J.K. Dobbins, Mark Andrews, Matthew Judon. You may have heard of a few of those human beings. They've had at least, I think I read last 11 guys, uh, at least 11 guys test positive. And then you start including the, right, the high risk, close contacts, whatever the hell you want to call it. They got a bunch of players on the COVID-19 list. Now, the Steelers, they won't have James Conner, right, the running back. He tested positive for COVID-19. But I have no idea what to expect in this football game. I'm not even sure this football game is even going to happen, but it, it seems to be clear that the NFL, they don't want to cancel games. So uh, I'm thinking it's going to get played, but Tuesday night, COVID bowl, are you laying the 10, Layman? 10. Yes. Yeah, all day long. Um, 
I'd lay the 10 if it was played on Sunday night and both teams are fully healthy. I'd lay the 10 if it was played uh, Monday. Dude, Ravens are in a bad spot right now. Um, Lamar Jackson's not playing well. I like where the Steelers are at. I've also kind of put myself in the Steelers' corner this year. They were my Super Bowl pick, so there is an extreme amount of bias there by me, but I think they're just a better football team. I really like the Steelers' defensive line. That's the that's the whole key for me is what they got going with the defensive line. Roethlisberger's had a good, clean season, nothing dramatic, which that's whenever he's at his best, whenever he's got a, a good defense, a solid running game. So, uh, yeah, I would. Now, what's your level of uh, confidence that this game actually happens? Because I've got I, fantasy implications. I'm trying I, to decide between a guy that's going to play Monday night or going to play Tuesday night. And I'd rather play the guy that's playing Tuesday night, but I don't know if it's going to happen. And if I, if I, if I don't make that, if I don't make the proper decision there, it could be deadly. Uh, we are 12 weeks in, right? It's week right. 12 in the NFL. Not a single game has been canceled. It's true. Not a single one. I mean, we had a team trying to play a quality control guy at quarterback, and they still played the football game. I, the NFL just made the Broncos play without a quarterback. <laughs> so, I I feel like the game's going to happen, and we're going to get to see, what, RG3 at quarterback. The Ravens, they signed Des Bryant to the 53. Yep. So, I mean, this game's going to be so weird. I can't wait, but I'm with you. Lay the 10, load up on the Steelers. I, or, hey, maybe RG3 has a throwback game, and we're like, we're like, hey, look at this guy. But Now, is a Steelers throwback are, game a, a four-interception game, or is a throwback game a, a zone read throwing the ball down the field game? Let's go with rookie year RG3 okay. yeah. before yeah. the injuries started, uh, started piling up. I don't know. This is going to be a weird game. That's why I picked it. But I, I hey, think we Monday, both like the Steelers. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday night football. Let's go. Or is it a night game? Is it Tuesday night? Yeah. What <laughs> happens yes. if they were playing like Tuesday at noon? Well, I don't know. That's what I was. part of me was thinking. Well, I mean, are you sure it's a night game? But I don't know. I love it. Right. Let's just play a game every night of the week this year, man. Come on. It's what the Mac's been doing for years. They got it figured out, man. <laughs> that's right. All right, let's finish up with everyone's favorite segment, and that's keeping it local, where we highlight what's going on in the great state of Oklahoma, and that's brought to you by Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School. As schools reopened in the fall, parents wanted to provide the best possible educational experience and spiritual development for their children, so they sent them to Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School. A one-to-one iPad setting makes McGinnis' students fully prepared to continue high-level learning from home, a 12-to-1 student-to-teacher ratio guarantees no student is overlooked in addition to athletic programs and clubs. Bishop McGinnis' college prep curriculum offers 22 AP courses. Financial aid is available. For more information, visit bmchs.org. Teddy, this is hard to believe, but the Thunder, they start training camp on Tuesday. It's crazy. What? Uh, I, I mean, it's just, it's here. And so here's a few details just because it's 
it's here and I don't think anyone's ready for it, but you know what? We're going to do the damn thing. So the first five days of training camp will just be individual workouts. So can't do anything as a team until December 6th, which may be good because Al Horford and Theo Maladon aren't technically on the team until December 8th when that trade with the 76ers will go through and only God knows how long George Hill and Trevor Ariza will be on this roster, but they're on the roster. They're on the squad. So, you know, we're going to cheer them on until they're not. We'll see when Sam Presti is able to move those guys, which I'm sure is part of the plan, but I'm sure they'll be moved as quickly as possible. I don't know when that will be, but I look forward to cheering for George Hill for a little bit. Guy can shoot the three. Love that. That's fun to watch. But I I won't lie. I I was thinking about, okay, I need to get in the right mental space as this season rapidly approaches. And, of course, I'm I'm mentally preparing for this team to be very bad, which it needs to be, right? That, That would be the best thing for the organization. Moving forward, you go back and you look at the couple years before you know, the Sonics drafted Durant and then Westbrook and then how this thing got rolling in Oklahoma City, they were really, really, really bad. And that set them up with those picks. And we all know that Presti's got all these picks. So that that's kind of the formula. But I am kind of excited to see the young guys. Uh, the Pokachevsky dude, hey, bring all the fanny packs. Let's roll. I, I don't I, – I hope you gain some weight, man, but uh, I'm going to be cheered for you. The skill set, I, I don't know how much he's going to play. I don't know if he's going to be in the G League. I mean, he couldn't even make it to the A League there <laughs> where he was playing, but you know what? Let's get weird. And I, I do think a, a lot of people like the Maladon kid, thought he was going to be a lottery pick, uh, just – didn't play much on his team over there in France, but I, I'm intrigued by the young Europeans. I mean, let's let's see what these kids got, and they're coming straight over. So, also give me all the Dort, give me all the Darius Baisley, uh, Can Shade, Gilgis Alexander be a number one guy. I I know this team's going to be really bad, but as training camp opens this week, Let's see what they got. Why not? Let's let's enjoy this for what it is. They're gonna suck, but there could be some really fun things to watch. Uh, there could be. So, what's the deal with the Pokuchevsky and the fanny pack? Is that just like a shot at the Eastern Europeans, or is there like pictures of him in fanny pack? There are pictures of him in uh, quite the outfit as he was leaving. I'm guessing he was leaving Serbia. I'm not entirely sure. I didn't do a ton of research, but it was posted on, I think he's got like a fan account Instagram that posted it. It was making its rounds uh, with the guys that, with the people that cover the Thunder closely locally. And he was in the airport, bags packed, and he had a fanny pack on. Tie-dye too. It was, uh, yeah, there was tie-dye involved in the outfit. Fanny pack E- he looks like he's going to fit in when it comes to the style of the team. You know, uh, Shea gets a little, little funky with the style. Baisley, he, he's got some, uh, got some style to him. These guys are all learning, all learning from Westbrook, right? So, you know. Wow. I feel bad for the fanny pack. I mean, 
the level of convenience is through the roof. It's probably the most convenient thing you could ever have, but it's doomed to never be worn because of the 80s and early 90s. So feel bad for it. Wish it I disagree. Was, uh, I, think, I, I think a lot of people – and also it's, it's been brought back with women, but they just call them belt bags. My wife has one and wears it across and – you could call it whatever you want. You call it a belt bag, but there's no way I could ever pull it off. Like a certain person could pull that off, Gabe. If I walked in wearing a fanny pack, what would you say? I would think you were hiding a gun. <laughs> that's a, a, I mean, that's my instant reaction. Now, why do you think I? I think they're so convenient. If if someone, <laughs> if if a loyal listener would like to send Teddy a fanny pack. Uh, let me know. Uh, hop into my DMs on Twitter at Gabe Eichard. We'll get you the necessary details to get uh, <laughs> Ted Lame in a fanny pack because I think we all yes. like to see that. I, I, I that's, if that's what the people want, that's what the people will get. Damn right. Um, first, but you're right. I am excited about this this team. Um, watching the young guys get better will be fun and. It's always nice to see that, see the development, and not care that they suck and actually be happy that they suck. So it's a weird spot to be in, but it'll make the season unique but hopefully fun. Yeah. I, I call this no expectations basketball. It's going to be fun. There, there's going to be some moments, right, when you're feeling like, oh, my gosh, am I getting emotionally invested again? That happened with last year's team, right? Because yeah. They're playing so hard, and Chris Paul was doing his thing, and you're like, okay, I'm in. I, I don't think we're going to have that moment this season, no, but no. the first preseason game, December 12th, it is upon us, people. So we'll have to see when we break, bring back FGTB, football guys talking basketball, because once the season starts, we really don't have a choice. I mean, we got to give the people what they want, Ted. Yeah, it's – it's inevitable. It's going to be coming back. I just hope there's something there to talk about. Yeah. Pokachevsky fanny pack. Are you not listening? <laughs> we'll, we'll create something for sure. Yeah. All right. Episode 64 in the books. We'll have a new podcast that'll drop Thursday morning. Just a reminder, you can hear Teddy from 2 to 6 on Sports Talk 1400. You can hear me from 3 to 5 on Sirius XM Big 12 Radio Channel 375. Hope you all have a great week. Until next time. We appreciate y'all for listening and do what you always do, Oklahoma. Take care of each other. Just one more time.